You're listening to the TV Obsessive channel, presented by tvobsessive.com. Okay, welcome back to the TV Obsessive podcast. Um, as always, I'm Cameron Crane, the executive editor of tvobsessive.com, joined by Ryan Kirksey, writer and contributor for the site. How are you doing today, Ryan? I'm doing great, Cameron. Doing really great. Uh, excited to be back talking about winning time again, uh, going through some other things we're, we're interested in. Um, this is going to be a, a, a good one. I think you and I have a lot of thoughts on this uh, on this episode coming up so we're gonna get into that in a little bit i know but uh things uh things going okay for you spent any time in an ice bath lately no ice bath i've i've, I've wondered about i've never done an ice bath ever have you n- n- never i've attempted to when it's 110 degrees outside here in texas but never never have done it i've taken cold showers like very yeah. big either because the hot water was out or there was one time then when it was like this heat wave and i didn't have air conditioning and like three in the morning I literally thought I was like <laughs> going to die or something. And um, this is in New York City. So it was like, even though it was dark, it didn't really cool down. It'd been uh, over 100 degrees for five days, you know, uh, where I took a cold shower. So like, I could see that. I could see, but it, it seems like it'd be very cold to actually have an ice bath. Yeah, you 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 would be uncomfortably cold I and mean, piercing cold, I think. So no no thanks, not, not for me. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, so, um, yeah, things are going pretty well. It's uh, August 15th. As always, we kind of keep an eye on what's going on in the news. So we'll hit a couple items here before we get into winning time. Uh, what caught your eye this week, Ryan? Yeah, I, I caught a, a THR article this this week that I found interesting. And it, the, the title of this article is Linear TV Falls Below 50% of Viewing for the First Time. And so I read through this and it basically talks about how linear TV, basically network TV and cable TV combined for the first time in a a month long period, totaled less than 50% of all the TV viewing. And I guess my first thought was, really, it took this long? Um, I I, I guess I would have thought that it would happen sooner. But as we've talked about before, there are a lot of people still tuning in to network TV these days, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, regular listeners of the podcast will know that last week, I think, I was saying, hey, I, I kind of want to look up how many people still watch cable. <laughs> oh, here you go. Um, yeah. A, a new uh, study. This is combining, I think, cable with um, broadcast. I, I don't know. That would be an interesting number. How many people out there don't even have cable and just have an antenna hooked up to their TV and um in 2023 probably i'm sure they're out there but yeah (laughs) of course you need like an hd antenna at this point i looked into that the one time uh however many years ago they were kind of expensive relatively you know they they switched it so you can't just you know use a um, rabbit ears like you like you used to right it's a digital broadcast so i i don't know i'm not up to speed on that at all um but yeah interesting that uh that it's below. 50%. 50%. But also, perhaps noteworthy with what we were talking about last week, that it's still that high. You know, I, I looked yeah. at those numbers, and then the streaming numbers are, um, I think, 37 or 38 or something. And then then they've got a, a category for other, you know. So yeah. if, if we do have some feeling that most people are watching streaming, well, even if you put in the other, which I think is some, like on-demand stuff or whatever, 
um yeah maybe half you know it's it's still not um but uh things do definitely feel to be going in that direction so. yeah the only other thing that stood out for me from that that article was apparently last month 18 billion minutes of the the show suits was played on netflix 18 billion minutes so uh so yeah, this we, is we talked about that phenomenon a little bit a couple weeks ago this but that is, thing is just going crazy this is just astounding have you ever watched suits i've never seen it no i i watched maybe like the first four seasons of suits at one point and this was a while ago because that was all that was out so yeah. i can relate to this phenomenon to the extent that the show is um imminently bingeable like i'll give people that you know because uh this was however long ago it was when there were only four seasons of suits that had been released you know it was on yeah. amazon prime or something i think and i just sat there and i just binged through the, the four seasons <laughs> but it, it was one of these shows where i never thought it was good enough that i found myself thinking oh when's the next season come out i've got to be on top yeah. of the next season you know yeah. Um, but yeah, Meghan Markle's in that show. That's right. I think that's driving some of the some of this. Yeah, I think that is. And, and and but it's weird. It's weird. How many of us had watched Suits before <laughs> Pan? Because that, that was my experience. It was like, oh, he's 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 marrying Meghan Markle from Suits, <laughs> the, the the show that purports to be in New York City but was clearly filmed in Toronto or Montreal or something like it's clearly not filmed in New York City <laughs> absolutely 100% not filmed in New York City but but you yeah. know it's it's kind of entertaining uh it's kind of entertaining for the yeah but you're right it, it's still at least about 50% of people are are just plugging their way through networking cable so they'll uh that content will keep keep coming as well so anyway yeah, so no, that was something that just Stuck, stuck out to me. Yeah, so I mean, to tie, tie this back into our ongoing coverage of the strikes, yeah. um, that's a segue we can make, I guess, because equally, I saw something where, yeah, Suits has these huge streaming numbers and the writers are getting practically nothing because their, their deals are not set up. Yeah. You know, like they'd be getting way more money if this was rerunning on USA, the cable network, and people were watching it on USA, the cable network, because they have that residual structure. Um Apparently, there was a meeting with the WGA on Friday. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if something might happen. That I, I think we should take it with a grain of salt. There's a Variety article that's out. But I, I'm hearing from the other side, the WGA side, that it's supposed to be a media blackout. And some people are saying, like, hey, the studios are leaking this, you know, to try to make it sound like they made a good offer um so we'll see we're, we're we're waiting for um the wga's assessment of whatever offer was made which i guess some offer was made yeah you know and there was a, the, at least enough so that they um could have this variety article that says the offer makes some effort to address all of the items which is which would be a new development yeah. um but you know Maybe it's a bad offer. We don't yeah. know. Yeah, we, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, we we'll we'll give you residuals on uh, Netflix streaming. How does um, one millionth of a cent per view <laughs> sound? You know, <laughs> like uh, it, it's uh, 
You know, you know, well, this may be a theme of uh, our episodes today, using the media as a weapon. Uh, we're going to get to that in our our winning time. But that sounds like what may be happening happening here, based on at least some of the social media uh, commentary that you can see right now from the different sides. Yeah, I think they're trying to, to some extent. But at the same time, um, with a grain of salt, if they've made a counter that actually addresses all the items, that does seem like a positive development. So, you know, we'll see where, where this goes. They also, they announced that they moved the Emmys mm. to January, which is interesting. It's interesting to me that they're saying a date at all, you know. Um, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. The other thing I wanted to mention, we've been hitting on, you know, um, people who've unfortunately passed away. Johnny Hardwick this past week, but maybe, maybe it was actually um, like a full week ago, but uh, we got the news after we recorded our last pod. This would be the the voice of Dale Gribble, um, King of the Hill. Now, Ryan, I know you're from Texas. You fan of King of the Hill? I have watched King of the Hill. It's been more of a sporadic thing than a binge or a, a consistent thing for me. But um, we, we have a pretty, uh, in our family, we have a pretty famous King of the Hill quote that we uh, toss around, which is, when uh when Hank's wife takes him out to the one of the buffets and he's just piling his his plate full of meat and she says you have to get something that's a vegetable and so he reluctantly agrees and throws some macaroni and cheese on there that's 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 sort of how <laughs> like you're already cheese. Well, we, we, we felt we felt seen down here in Texas when when we when, we, when that one came on yeah that's funny I mean I, I love the show personally I yeah I caught it here and there and then it was in 2020 I I, I watched it all you know, during lockdown. Um, there have been talks that there's going to be a revival, and apparently they recorded a couple of episodes. So it's part of why I want to hit on this. I mean, it's quite sad that Johnny Hardwick died, obviously, but then also, do you proceed with a revival without Dale Gribble? I can hardly imagine. You know, because particularly... Yeah. You know, it's it's funny you say that, because there are all these these voice properties that seem to continue forever, long after... You know, people have passed away, whether it's, um, you, you know, whether it's the Muppets or Star Wars or other things. But, you know, I, I I don't know, just trying to find a real replacement for Dale and King of the Hill seems maybe, maybe a bridge too far. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could. It's one way you could go. I'm presuming, yeah. I mean, Brittany Murphy died way, yeah. you know, quite a while, long time ago, like right when the show was ending, you know, so. I guess I've been presuming that the new show would just not have Luann in it. It's possible that they could get another voice actor. Yeah. I mean, that is, but uh, I, but I don't know. I mean, there's that. There's some kind of weird question about it. Would it be disrespectful in in some yeah. way? Are we disrespecting the dead if we get a new voice actor uh, to be Dale Gribble, or you know, is that an outmoded kind of um, concern? or what because of course they are um recasting the voices um that justin roiland did on rick and morty right oh yes oh yes but it's an entirely different situation <laughs> they got rid of that guy you know, because of, because of scandal and harassment charges and all that kind of stuff so uh i don't know we'll see i mean apparently they're saying that they recorded a couple of episodes of this king of the hill revival um and then things aren't happening i think because of the strike yeah so 
I yeah, I, I hope it moves forward. I, I would I would watch a, a revival of that, but I guess it's it's with all of these confluence of events, it's kind of wait and see mode right now for that show. Yeah, but I man, I want I want Dale because I don't know if you thought about this, but like Dale Gribble always had that kind of conspiratorial mind. <laughs> you know? yep. So I think that he would provide in King of the Hills context a really um fascinating entry point into some of the stuff that's been going on <laughs> you yeah. know like i, I kind of want to know dale gribble's opinions about QAnon. <laughs> you know what i'm saying and, and it, so, it is a show that in, ended ended before we really needed it you know yeah it'd be, it'd be, it'd be uh, a shame if we get king of the hill without dale gribble but it also wouldn't quite feel right to me if they recast the voice actor so i don't know something to keep an eye on long term yeah. but um well, another thing to, to keep in mind is that much like the the characters in this show, The Walking Dead is never, ever going to end. I don't know if you are aware of this. There is a fifth show on the way yeah. that's coming uh, in se- September, Walking Dead Daryl Dixon. I don't know if this is the one where he you know tours the country on his motorcycle with zombies right along with him or, or what, if that was a different show or, yeah. or what. But there's the Daryl Dixon show, and then there's another show coming, the Rick and Michonne show uh sometime in 2024 so this uh once again is the show that never dies yeah i think they announced a whole slate of yeah we want and, I, and i'm not we talked about this before not really a fan of the show if people are oh uh, yeah i hope these are good and i hope you enjoy them i'm i'm, um, yeah, I think, I'm I think envious to some degree there is yeah there is a there is a page dedicated to the franchise there's something like more than 300 episodes of this show in its entirety right amongst all the different properties six announced shows and the the guy who runs the property that is the walking dead said that there are many more to come so we are not close apparently to being done with with uh walking dead but these shows do do well and have quite the quite the the zombie horde following as best i can yeah. tell is it, I mean, so are these prequel shows? Is that what, what's going on? I no, these these two that are coming out. Well, the one that came out last month, the uh, Dead City, which took place in New York City, the Daryl Dixon, and then the Rick and Michonne show are all spinoffs of the main Walking Dead franchise. Okay. Yeah. Fear of the Walking Dead is a prequel. I haven't watched, like, again, I've watched one season of The Walking Dead. I watched the first season... And decided that I didn't like it. So, yeah. No, I like I said. I think I've mentioned this. I, I I didn't make it through the last couple of seasons, but I mean, hey, good for them and good for their their audience. It's gonna it's the content that keeps on giving. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what have you been watching lately? You're still doing Star Wars? Yeah. So I'm geared up. We've uh, I think written in stone now that I'm gonna to track uh, Masoka for this. The site for tvobsessive.com when it comes out uh and just over a week from now uh starts right. on august 23rd um so i'm halfway through the star wars rebels uh series preparing for that um revisiting the 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 turn of the century prequels as well just to prep myself for sort of this headspace um star wars is a a tough thing to to write about it so i'm going to do it not tentatively, but I'm going to do it cautiously because there is, you know, a lot of lot of things to consider. So I'm I'm still preparing with with Rebels, um, and then yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to actually tonight's second episode of 
of Hard Knocks comes out. Are you a Hard Knocks watcher on HBO? Yeah, so send you off right? I watched last week's episode. I, I've never really watched Hard Hard Knocks before. I've been aware of it. Um, so I guess they're sucking me in with the New York mm-hmm. Jets, uh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers um, intrigue, you know, and then the news broke yesterday that they are signing Dalvin Cook, and we know that Dalvin Cook visited a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, it's, I mean, but yeah, I enjoy it. It's uh, the the documentary style. Uh, I used to, when I was a kid, watch these NFL films, mm. things that I don't know if they air anymore. They could air the exact things I was watching. They were like going through each Super Bowl. Yeah. You ever, you ever watch any of these? And, but it was some of these, yeah. like a short film, like a narrated film. And um, when I was young, this is how I learned about all of the Super Bowls that happened before I was born and before I started paying attention to football. Um, of course, at that time, you couldn't just like hop on the internet and, and then, you know, who won Super Bowl two? you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I have some nostalgia for that. And, and yeah. Hard Knocks uh, does have a way of feeling. I, I will say, having caught that first episode, I don't know what people consider spoilers or not, so I'm just going to avoid all all potential spoilers for real life football. I don't yeah, know. for for real okay. life football, but right, the, the current voice of the NFL for this show and for other things came and visited the camp and was talking about John Facenda, who was that original voice of NFL films, who's just yeah. so legendary and iconic, and and just what an inspiration he he was. Um, and yeah, I, I just you used to be able to catch those things on NFL Network, and yeah, th- those are some fascinating, really, r- just really strong looks at the old history of the of the NFL. So I do like when they sort of weave all those things together. I I, I much prefer it. Like, I'll turn on NFL Network now, and they'll just rerun games. Yeah, I, I'm not into that. You know what I'm saying? Like, but yeah. what what I would watch is if you put that effort into producing this kind of narrative even about like last year's super bowl like oh this is interesting because now you've you've made it a story you know um but yeah i mean i'm looking forward to the football season and we both do fantasy football things like that don't want to get too off track since the tv podcast yeah i did put on a little bit of preseason football i don't know i always end up doing this and, and and get disappointed do you watch the preseason games at all I'll check in on things from from time to time. Um, really, if there's just nothing else on or nothing you know, that's that I just want on in the background. I mean, I find things like Hard Knocks to be eminently more enjoyable and and dramatic than than preseason football. But you know, maybe that's just because you know, like I said, you and I play a lot of fantasy football, and these players that often play in these games don't matter for for our our fantasy leagues, right? Or or you want to have an eye on the, yeah. uh, particular things, but then how do you assess the data? I mean, it's I. I'd almost rather just watch the analysis of the preseason games and not the games themselves yeah, because yeah. at most you get like, Hey, the starters went out there for eight plays. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's going on season forthcoming here in a couple of weeks. Uh, you mentioned you're going to be writing on Ahsoka. I am going to write on invasion season two. That starts next week. I guess the same day. There's August 23rd. Yep. Um, yep. So um, I read on the first season of that episode by episode. 
people watch the show if you haven't watched the show you can go watch it you should know that i had very mixed feelings about the first season mm -hmm. but i'm i'm hooked enough to want to see what happens in season two are you familiar with this show it, it i mean like the premise is in the name of the show yeah the, the premise and, I, and i've read about it i only know the details from from our conversations um uh, about it and you know your 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 recommendations of it have been tepid i guess so i can't so i haven't haven't uh binged it, binged it, was, it yet it's so weird because I expected it's like okay, Apple TV Plus putting on a show called Invasion. Yeah. It's about an alien invasion, mm -hmm. and you know I expected it just to be like a rip roaring good time <laughs> or something, you know. But then it starts out as like really, really, really slow character drama, and I'm the kind of weirdo who loved that. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, this show's actually um this fascinating kind of portrait of the human condition you've got these multiple characters in different parts of the world and and they're all on the margins you know rather than the show focusing on um you know the government response unit or something like that you know and um then about halfway through the first season it just kind of breaks and like all of a sudden kind of turns into that action yeah. show i sort of thought it was going to be but by that point i was disappointed for it to <laughs> become that and then by the end of the season like oh well now you've got to, you actually managed to intrigue me a little bit invasion so uh, you know i don't know man we'll see how season two goes okay well depending on how you feel about it i may decide to dive dive in or not some uh, people really like it i, I think in, in some ways it can't quite decide whether it's a contemplative show or uh you know bang bang pew pew action show that you go along yeah. for the ride with you know and and so we'll see maybe it maybe it finds its footing a bit more in season two okay one other thing i wanted to mention to you which is i just sort of took hbo's recommendation the other night and threw on this first episode of this three-part documentary called telemarketers have you seen anything about this so far i've seen things about it but i haven't watched it um it looks kind of fascinating you check it, it out this was good. yeah it, it's fascinating i mean one episode into three three parts so there'll be two more um two more uh, episodes released on sunday nights uh, the next two sunday nights but just the the elevator pitch for it is two guys who were involved in this extremely shady telemarketing company uh spent years documenting it and decide that they want to not only take down this company, but the entire shady telemarketing industry as a whole. And so they spent years doing some things and talking to people. And and it's uh, sort of the, the first episode is sort of sets the stage of where they were and what they were doing and why they decided to come to this conclusion. But the interesting thing is that it's the quality of the most of the footage is really quite poor because yeah. it's these guys who just decided back in you know before 2010 sort of take their own you know handhelds and and cell phone cameras at the time and record stuff that was going on and that's a lot of what the documentary is and so it, it's you know it's really low budget low quality but the folks that they were able to weave into it with a story that, that really have put the pieces together have made it a pretty interesting documentary, at least through one. So I'm definitely going to check out the next, uh, the next two. The first one ends on this incredible cliffhanger, um, and so yeah, if you're just interested in you know why your 
grandmothers are always getting scammed out of their money. This is a, a really cool look at, at how that happens. Well, yeah, you have to check that out. It, it seems like it kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. I mean, of course, I'm in the position I'm always trying to keep an eye on what's what's happening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I never know with, with stuff like this. Did I just do a poor job? You know, that, did I just miss it? You know, um, I missed. I missed it too. It just happened yeah. to be on the recommended screen after, um, after Hard Knocks. So I threw it on, and it was, it was ama- amazing. Yeah, I ended up seeing a couple of things about it, like right as it was coming out. So yeah, but yeah, that looks cool. Maybe I'll check that out. Um, all right, man. So uh, about ready to get into winning time. I am very ready. Let's do it. All right. So um. As always, we'll take a little interlude here, you know, and uh, on the other side, we're going to dig into Winning Time Season 2, Episode 2, which is called something like The Magic is Back, because magic is back in this episode. But the the magic is is whether that's back for the Lakers, I think I think that's questionable. So anyway, um, uh, I'll take like 10 seconds and uh, see you on the other side. All right, we are back talking about season two, episode two of Winning Time, as Cameron alluded to, titled The Magic is Back. Um, and there are multiple layers to that uh, to that title of the episode. Um, primarily, this episode covers Magic Johnson's return from a 12-week knee injury um, and how that affects the chemistry of the team, how people feel after they have been so successful with him away. Uh, sort of a continued dynamic between him and the other players, him and Captain Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, we get a lot about uh, the incumbent point guard Norm Nixon and some trade rumors and some unhappiness there. Um, we get our first hints of some tension between head coach Paul Westhead and Pat Riley. I must say uh, it was pointed out to me, I think at least once last week, I called him Paul Westfall, who is another NBA coach from later uh, in the next yeah. decade. So my apologies there. It's Paul Westhead. I, I, I unfortunately also realized that, I think, after <laughs> the podcast had, I think it had gone all the way to being posted. But <laughs> regardless, it'd be very hard to try to yes. go back and correct uh, the audio. But I, but I realized... Yes that uh, I was looking at something else. I was like, oh, no, his name's Paul Westhead. We were saying yes. Paul Westfall. And it was in our notes. It was spelled that way in our notes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just, my, my mistake there, yeah. no no offense to Paul Westhead. Paul Westfall comes later. Um, so, yeah, we get the first little bits of tension and and uh, sort of the cracks in the foundation between these two coaching partners. So generally, that's the that's the summary. Cameron, what did you think of this episode? I enjoyed it as always, first of all. I mean, um, one thing, kind of carrying over from last week, let me go and just like shoehorn this in immediately. I wanted to say something about the opening credits, and I kind of didn't manage to get it in last week. And the fact that they reuse, um, it's the same song, My Favorite Mutant Team, uh, from the coup, Boots Riley. Which I do think it's interesting because it, it's, it feels like a very old school hip hop song, but it's not actually that old. Right. Um, but I like the song, but what do you think of this? If if you noticed it, they use the same song, but they moved it forward a verse. Did you notice this? 
Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like a little, just a little different because it's season two. So it's 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 the second verse oh. of the song now instead of the first verse. I don't know. I, I like these little things like this. And they they change some of the visuals in the opening credits too. Some of them are the same, but they've got some um, you know some little differences. I don't know. I just kind of love stuff like that. And personally, uh, I love opening title sequences. Yeah. And, uh, I like when shows have them and I never <laughs> skip them, you know? Uh, so that, that's the, that's the test, right? So and maybe this started back when, you know, people learn not to skip the game of Thrones opening credit. Cause it would always build on the build on the map. But if the show has got a good opening credit title sequence uh, and you, and you don't want to move past it, that, that, that's a good indication. You're watching something good. I, yeah, no, indeed. I have this thesis I've had for quite a while. I don't know if it always holds up. Um, I, I don't know that I don't know if it holds up in the direction of like if the opening credits are bad, the show's going to be bad. <laughs> I don't know that it holds up in that direction, but it does. I do think it tends to hold up in the other direction. If the opening credits of the show are good, generally that means that the show is good. But yeah. I can't think of an example of a show where I where I felt like, man, love the uh, opening title sequence. It's unfortunate the show kind of sucks. You know? Yeah. All um, right, I'm I'm earmarking. For some slow news day, our favorite uh, title sequence, opening credits in a show ever. We're gonna, we're gonna throw that in someday. I, I think I did an article on the site that's on the site about this. Oh, okay. okay. But we can revisit that because I think I wrote it several years ago. So you're like, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do Does that list hold? Do other things get in? You know, stuff's happened since then. You know, okay, we we could do that. We can do like a yeah. Top well, there's a lot of a lot of tension created with this episode for in various ways. Um, you know, we have the I mentioned before Paul Westhead, Pat Riley tension. We have the magic versus the team. We have the Norm Nixon unhappy and heard of trade rumors. Um, any of these storylines sort of stick out to you, or which um, which sort of appeal to you most in terms of we got sort of several different things being woven together with this. Yeah, and I mean, I guess we just have to decide. Um where to start and yeah. a lot kind of hangs on what they do with Norm Nixon. Maybe this is a good place to start because there's definitely something here I think is worth talking about, which is how much of this is fabricated. Yeah. You're hitting on this a bit, a little bit last week um, in terms of, you know, assessing well, what, what really happened and what didn't. And I feel like I wanted to say often there's a basis in reality in terms of what happened and, but maybe how it's characterized isn't, is, is, you know, creative license, but this seems to be entirely fabricated. Yeah. Um, I mean, if there's a basis in reality, as I understand it, there was friction, you know, there was tension, there was, you know, this kind of dissension in the locker room or what have you. Yeah. But um, in particular, uh, the bit where Norm Nixon is telling the reporter, you know, no one will know who magic is in 15 years and all of that. Um, the reporter is a fictional character. The article doesn't exist. What do you think about all of this, right? Yeah. If you go in and look through this, as I know you have, and and Hawk, who, who writes on our site about this show, have done this too. There is no shortage of people trying to find out just how realistic this is and this that any of this actually happened. It turns out that that quote that article, the specific thing that sort of that story revolves around how unhappy Norm Nixon is and and we're throwing magic under the bus really just never uh, never happened. I, I will say it 
learning that it sort of took me out of it a little bit because having followed sports, particularly the NBA for so long, that that just I understand sort of the the dramatic necessity of it, but just seems like something a teammate would never ever do to another teammate. And and maybe I'm just sort of stretching too far with that. Um, but you know, this was around the sort of a, a storyline that had to do with trade rumors and, and potentially Norm Nixon being traded. Um, I, 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 I don't know. It, it was certainly, I think, served the purpose, but man, just sort of threw me for a loop once I learned that th- this never even probably came close to this level of on the record and that those comments just, just kind of threw me out of it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a bit frustrated. Hawk and I were sitting, I was sitting here and was talking to Hawk, he's writing his article, you know, we were trying to look into who is this reporter, he's named in the credits as Fred Fletcher, we're trying to Google Fred Fletcher, trying to find records of this article, you know, and um, hoping to do this prior to publishing his article on, on the episode, and we basically couldn't find anything, so we didn't say anything, Yeah, you know, because uh, I'm sitting here thinking, well, it's 40 years ago, you know, maybe we can't, maybe we just can't find it, you know? Um, and, uh, but yeah, it seems to be indicated from various sources that this is fabricated. Um, it does bother me a little bit. I don't know, in terms of what it's a TV show, it's a fictional yeah. TV show. So my temptation to say journalistic ethics doesn't <laughs> quite fit, but something like that, it feels yeah. a little bit off here, but I mean, then we were also talking about this before we started recording, you know, that um, the actor playing Norm Nixon is his son. Um, and so I guess we have to presume that Norm's okay with all of this. I, I can't see a scenario where his son is not sort of passing him a script saying, hey, look what they're ch- saying that you're doing or that you were responsible for or, right? you know, yeah, that, that. You know, it, it makes you think, well, maybe that specific thing didn't happen, but perhaps there was some really sort of un, uncovered tension that was pretty deep that we weren't aware of at the time or that media never published at the time. You know, it could, could be yeah. true. I mean, you know, or maybe there was enough stuff that was like this and there were some news stories that were feeding into it and they just weren't this explicit and yeah, and, and all of that. But yeah, one has to imagine that... Uh, uh, that Norm's okay with this. At least his son's okay with it. I yeah. guess, at least he, he does the portrayal. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. I thought that that was an interesting wrinkle when I started thinking about that because there have been various real life figures who've been upset about you know how they've been portrayed in the show, uh, from Magic Johnson to to Jerry West, who mentioned last yeah. week at one point was threatening a lawsuit. But um, you know, here you have this this entirely fabricated. I think you're right. I mean, it would be. It would be shocking now yeah, yeah. for an NBA player to say this about one of his teammates, but it'd be way, it would have been way more shocking 40 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think that, yeah, the, 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 the media as a, as a device to be used, the media as a weapon, as we said earlier, was, um, I, I mean, there were only so many outlets you could point to in 1981 and say, okay, this is the way I'm going to get my voice heard away. I'm going to get my thoughts across. And yeah, to, to be able to even consider that someone would have done that, you know, th- this is an episode where they talk about a trade of Norm Nixon for for David Thompson, and it falls through. Th- there is, at least in 2023, I can't really speak to 1981, but 
2023, a guy says that about his teammate, he's gone the next day, trade or otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I would think so. Well, you don't know. I mean, you had, you had that whole thing with Jordan Poole and, and Draymond <laughs> Green. Like, they played together for a whole year after that punch. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, that's where, in certain ways, I feel like it wouldn't be quite as shocking now. You just had, you know, James Harden the other day, you know, called the president of the 76 was a liar, you know, stuff like that. So, but yeah. at least to my recollection, the idea of that kind of um, code of ethics that would that would hold, I, I feel like that was stronger, if anything, 40 years ago. That, yeah. that you're right, particularly when they had apparently been working behind the scenes towards this David Thompson trade. We can talk about a little bit. We're talking about David Thompson a little bit, maybe. Um, which would have been a trade they would have been trading way Norm Nixon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. man. If, if Norm had actually gone to the press and said something that negative about their star player that they just... Jerry Buss would have gotten rid of him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm almost certain that, yeah. that if that had actually happened that explicitly, Buss would have stepped in and said, I don't care what any of you think. He's yeah. out here. So, so let me ask you, uh, most of this episode takes place off the court, and I think that's been consistent with with uh, what we've seen so far. So we have some action in the, the game where Magic returns, um, and and the coach waits and sort of proves a point, waits to play him for a while. And then we have the sort of a few scenes where the Rockets and Lakers play in this playoff series in, in 1981. Um, and then the rest of the story is driven by this off court stuff, the tension there, the things with the family, the things with the press. Um, if you're a fan of the NBA or you know your history and sort of how these games go or how these series go, do you almost not care about that stuff and you care more about what happens off the court or is that what's driving the show? Or I mean, do they even really need the basketball? I guess is my point in this in this show. Yeah. I mean, I think they do. I, I personally think they balance it quite well. Yeah. Whether you know what happened, whether you remember what happened, because there can also be that gray area of like maybe at some level you know, but you haven't refreshed your memory. And right. maybe a lot of people watch the show and avoid refreshing their memories, you know, for for this purpose. But yeah, I mean, I agree that it's really the off the court stuff that's the most fascinating. Mm-hmm. But there isn't a whole lot of on the court stuff in the show. And, and I do think it's necessary because it's what it what's what brings things to a head in 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 a certain way, you know. But um, I think it's probably balanced about right. Yeah. And you know, if they were to make uh, an entire episode that was overly focused on the games, yeah, I, I, that would be bad. I think I think that wouldn't quite work. Yeah. But I, I wanted to ask you something about this. We established last week. That you are a Houston Rockets fan. Yes. So episode two ends with the Lakers <laughs> losing in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Being upset by the Houston Rockets. Now, I realize this maybe a little bit before your conscious awareness. Of right, ESPN. right. I'm not going to ask you, how, how did this land for you when you were like a baby? <laughs> no, but but what I, what I am wondering, given this, is, you know, given how the show proceeds really almost entirely through the Lakers' perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, 
how does this land for you? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like as a Rockets fan, where you're like, yeah, Rockets. Or <laughs> as a viewer of the show, where you kind of along for the emotional disappointment that, yeah. that this brings uh, about. Yeah, you know, my my Rockets memories don't really start until the late 80s when I kind of had a sense of what basketball was and what was going on. I've, I've, you know, long ago revisited and reviewed and learned about these, you know, these series and these games. This was the first of, you know, Moses Malone tormenting the Lakers in the playoffs for for years to come. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I find myself much, much, much more invested in. Yeah, I, I knew that that shot was going to miss because I knew that the Lakers lost the series. Um, but I'm much more interested in in the perspective of how the Lakers see that view that what happens in the aftermath of that than I am about any sort of here's the actual basketball happening or my devotion to one team ver- versus the other or you know just sort of you know cheering for this rake this fake Rockets team over this other fake Lakers team um yeah I, I think that to, to your point this episode showed the it was just the right amount of basketball to balance or to provide a lens for all that tension that's happening off the court um and so you know while i don't get myself caught up really much in the in the on the court stats and who wins and who loses and all that um it, it really this one worked um just as someone that liked to revisit that series and also something that thought it was a good way to to filter through all the tension that happened before oh well, yeah i agree i was curious about that because you know it's it's fascinating to me also i've never been a lakers fan yeah, I've at various points in my life hated the Lakers. I've, you know, I don't know that I wouldn't say I hate them. I don't feel strongly enough anymore. Yeah, yeah. but there have been points in my life where I was like, really shaking my fist at the Lakers. You know, and uh, well, it's interesting if, if Lakers, show puts you in the Lakers or Lakers fans were upset about this one, and, and I know that they were back in 1981. There is a much more heartbreaking thing coming in in about five years after that at the hands of the Rockets. So that that's probably another season, but we'll we'll get there. Yeah, be, I, it's, again, we we speculated about this before, and I do think that that would be the plan. Like season three, season three would probably go through 87, and then season four would be like you know. 88 yeah. to 91 something yeah, exactly. 91 92 but uh i have no confirmation for that whatsoever by the way that's just like, yeah <laughs> us thinking just, about how yeah this is me thinking about how i would break apart the story knowing exactly. that this season is set up to to circle around to end where it presumably in 1984 yeah we, we we think we know the right way to write the treatments for the upcoming season so we'll uh hopefully they they, they consult us yeah um, so a couple other things we mentioned, David Thompson. I don't know how much you want to talk about that. Are people aware of David Thompson, the Skywalker? You think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, a prolific score for the Nuggets back in the late 70s, early 80s. I mean, this guy was, I, mean, I think they call him Skywalker. His, his, I mean, that yeah. was his nickname. This guy he was, was a dude. freak athlete um, at the time. And I think the thought was, you know, I think maybe the show needs to do a better job pointing this out. Norm Nixon was the point guard for a year or two before Magic. Yeah. And he actually and he stays in the Lakers for another year or two after this season that we're in right now. So th- there is certainly this tension of, yeah, well, let's bring let's draft this guy Magic, make him a forward. We got Norm, but no, the the team wants to make him a point guard. And so there was a sense of what do we need two point guards for? And you see or see that article. 
It's called Life is Number Two, where it talks about Norm, Norm Nixon. So the thought was, we've got our, our point guard of the future. Let's bring in this incredible score to compliment him, whereas uh, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is not even on the back nine, like the back two of his career. Um, and you know, this was seen as sort of a, a a no-brainer situation. And I think that we see <laughs> Jerry West reflect that mindset when he goes <laughs> ballistic after this thing falls through. But yeah, David Thompson, if you don't know him, man, go go watch those uh ABA and NBA highlights. Ooh, that guy was that guy oh, was really? a freak. But it makes it's so like, yeah, it would have made all the sense in the world. I like thinking about the alternate history here, right? I was looking up some stuff about David Thompson. And you know what? Actually, his career fell right off, right? Yep. I mean, like, so he ended, he did end up getting traded to Seattle and had um, a little bit of a, a bounce back. Um, but then um, injury, drug rehab, I mean, like, looking at it, this probably would not have been a good plan for the Lakers when it came down to it. It probably would not have worked out. But certainly it's it's one of those things at the time. And also, the other thing in this episode we still need to talk about, the whole thing with Magic's knee rehab and how Pat Riley, I guess, at least as I was portrayed in the show, is keeping a hit in yeah. from everyone else that he's, he's really not 100, you know, Um because if he were, you know, you take Jerry West's perspective here, and he's saying, "Well, Magic is back. We don't need Norm anymore. We can we can go out there with Magic, Kareem, and David Johnson, <laughs> Thompson, Thompson, David Thompson. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> David Johnson is different. Yeah, Michael. Lots Coop. of people are probably named David Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> First that came to mind for me as I made that slip of the tongue was the NFL <laughs> running back." Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, I mean they had they had they had would have had magic, they would have had Thompson, they would have had Michael Cooper, they would have had Jabbar. Yeah. So I mean it would have been a I mean just a powerhouse team. So I under I I certainly understand the thinking behind why they would have would have done that. Yeah. But looking at the actual history, probably would not have been a good plan. I mean, I don't know how exactly this would have fed into further things that happened and James Worthy down the line and we get too far ahead of ourselves. But exactly, they, they, yeah. don't, they, they don't trade for Thompson. They lose in the first round of the playoffs, you know. Um, and then the... Um, what's going on with Pat Riley and uh, Paul Westhead, how that comes to a head and, and Paul learns that uh, Pat's been keeping secrets from him, and at least in the show, they yell at each other on a plane, but all the players can overhear, and this is just <laughs> terrible. Um, I don't know how, how far we want to go with this in terms of what we know, in terms of what happens later. Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's spoiling anything to say that when you think of Showtime Lakers, you don't think of Paul Westhead. You think no. of you think of Pat Riley. You think of Pat Riley. How authentic this storyline was, you know, is another thing we'll probably never never know. But Pat Riley saw the potential of Magic, who he could be, that he was the future, and said, "I'm going to sort of hitch my horse to this guy," and you know, he's going to be the the one. You know, assuming I can. I can make it work somehow with the guy who's who's currently coaching. This is the guy who's going to be the one to lead us. It's um, interesting, you know, because I mean, I think that their dynamic is really great. I think both Jason Siegel and Adrian Brody are doing a great job. Um, 
I don't know how accurate various things are, yeah. of course, but if you watch any of the footage of Paul Westhead and Pat Riley at the time, the, they're doing a good portrayal. It was pretty spot on. Um, one of the things I think is interesting is that at least being who I am, I watch this and I'm thinking like, well, Paul's right though. <laughs> you know, like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. You know, we, he, he got, is right. we've got the system, you know, and if, if magic is not 100% healthy and you didn't know that we keep going along with the system, you know, um, and so on and so forth. Um, but I guess from a broader point of view, historically, it's very hard to say, he he was right because what because of what ends up happening down the line so it's really kind of fascinating yeah i'm i'm very curious to see how they handle this whole you know this obviously this relationship that riley and magic are are creating and then how that further influences the wedge is going to grow between westhead and and riley um we know that westhead just you know and the history of it is he doesn't last too much longer as the head coach I don't know how they will portray it in terms of the tension of what happened and if it's results on the court versus inability to to get along off of it. Um, but you know, R- R- Riley is almost sort of lighting the spark for the mutiny here a little bit in this stuff with with magic. And uh, I mean, yeah, Westhead is right in this scenario. But Riley has always been a guy, as we know now, that's going to get what he wants, how, whatever it takes. And yeah. that just sort of seems to be the start of it. Really fascinated by Pat Riley in the show. Yeah. Thinking back to season one, also, and you know, again, how accurate is it? I don't know, but I'm I'm buying it. We'll buy yep. into you know what, what's going on here, and we do get a little shout out to Jack McKinney. That's right, <laughs> one coach of the year. Uh, yeah, which, which did which did happen? Research, which did that did happen? That mm-hmm. news article does exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean the fast the off the court stuff's fascinating. Then we have got Jerry Buss, uh, another uh, I don't know fabrication is quite the right word, but apparently the the woman that he um, looks up and goes to see in this episode uh, appears to be at most an amalgamation of real life women, not a particular existing yeah. uh, human being. <laughs> is. You you, you uh, took the SAT word right out of my mouth. That's the word I was going to use to describe. There is a lot of these women apparently in in uh, Jerry Buss's life, and and this one sort of becomes the the one to represent them, and sort of what he's trying to rebuild or put back together as for the pieces of his life with his family. Yeah. So, Honey Kaplan, not a real person, played by right. Ari Grainer. Um, I don't know. This this worked fairly well for me. I, I don't know. To, maybe it's to the extent that I feel like I can relate a little bit to the experience he says he has. He says she was in his dream. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't know if you've had this experience. I've had this experience. But then it's also it's always a weird thing of um, I'm like, well, I dreamed of this woman from my past. And now, I'm, now I want to reach out to her but yeah, yeah you don't like you probably don't do that and say i was dreaming about you <laughs> you know um which he doesn't do you know he's slicker than that yeah no um, he's he's very good i will say that i mean this this storyline with jerry bus and, and honey Ka- kaplan um i i thought was 
an interesting deviation and a look from a look at who Jerry Buss is or behind the scenes, even behind the scenes of, of how, how he's running this team. It landed for me a lot better than the stuff with his kids in this episode. Um, the you know the, the Monopoly game from episode one is phenomenal. Or sort of how their relationship is cracking and breaking and building all at the same time. Um, I don't know. It just seems like the kids didn't really have anything to do in this episode. We're just kind of shoehorned in these 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 storylines with his daughter just popping Rolades and the son trying to date one of the daughters tennis prodigies and I, I don't know just just to sort of quite see how that all fit together it definitely seemed he, he was dating the tennis player yeah. but yeah I mean look I think when it comes down to it genie bus is yeah. a storyline that they are cultivating slowly yeah. and have been from the beginning um the sons that nah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like we we have to recognize that these are existing human beings. You know what I mean? But um, you have to keep Genie smoldering because she becomes such an integral part later. Yeah, uh, we know why. Yeah, exactly, man. Um, and so, uh, yeah, kind of interested to see exactly where they go with Genie and and how that shapes up and in this portrayal and um, and all of that. So I'm kind of there for that, you know, and. You're right, though. I mean, I guess the point was to show Genie Bus in this episode basically saying, what do you mean, you know, um, she's not going to play in our tennis tournament thing? Like, I don't even know exactly yeah. what they're doing. Maybe I should yeah, some, some second tier tennis tennis tournament. Yeah, which, of course, like if you are really a professional tennis player, what you care about is the, you know, the um, the big tournaments, you know, yeah. not not yeah. whatever they're doing here, you know, in LA. So I, I, we we'll probably see more of this where they are positioning Genie to take on a slightly more and more and more power within the organization, you know, to the point where she, you know, again, I don't remember what her status is in 1991 or whatever it will be that this series ends, but we'll, she'll, she'll continue to be, I think, framed in that in that way for, for a season or two. Yeah, I would think. And again, I'm expecting that if they get a couple more seasons, they, they primed it to end, you know, 1991, 1992 or something like that. I'm not sure how successful the show is from HBO's point of view. Um, if they wanted to continue on, they yeah. certainly could decide to kind of jump from the end of this era and, you know, proceed into the Kobe Shaq era. Right. They could do that, you know, um, but I don't really foresee it happening personally, but it's possible. Yeah, certainly, certainly possible. But for now, I just I, I think they're doing a great job framing this. And putting us in 1981 or whatever the time frame is, and showing us, you know, what this team could have been like. Certainly, as we've talked about, some some creative takes there. But it's it's it continues to be fascinating through two episodes this year. Yeah, I agree. So I think that um, about does it. You have anything else you want to say about episode two here? No, that's it. Next week, next Sunday night, uh, will be episode. Three, um, where I guess we'll see the aftermath of this loss in the 1981 playoffs and what happens in the seasons that follow. Yeah, I'm curious where they'll pick up. You know, we'll see. W yeah. Will they pick up in the aftermath, you know, directly, or will it already be, you know, on the cusp of the next season? Or we'll see 
exactly how that goes, but certainly I'm looking forward to it. We'll be back uh, next week to talk about season two, episode three of Winning Time, along with our usual banter at the beginning, hitting on news and notes about things in the world and what we're watching and all that good stuff. Um, well, thank everyone for listening. Um, check out tvobsessive.com if you want to read things. Uh, you can follow the site on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TV Obsessive. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm just going to say Twitter, by the way. Yep. Uh, I, I'm at Cameron CC. Ryan's at Cable yep. Box Score. Yeah, and anywhere that you get your podcast, you can find us. We'd love for you to to rate us, write a review, share us with your your friends. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Looking forward to picking back up next week. All right, Ryan. Sounds good. Oh, and you check out the YouTube channel, too. Go go look at you know, TV Obsessive on YouTube. Subscribe and like and all that good stuff. And um, all right, we'll see you next week. Okay, till next time. All right.